acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. This is Paris. Hi, Engage Girl. Hi. How are you? Hi, babe. Good. I don't know if Paris told you, but I've been auditioning to be um, one of her sisters for a really long time. Yes. Has she not gotten the role yet? I feel like... I haven't gotten the role. (laughs) I'm not winning. I'm not winning. (laughs) Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm so happy to be here. I feel like it's kind of just friends hanging out. Yes. Yeah. How long have you guys been friends? So long. Oh my God. How many years? 2001 or two. I mean, with Paris 14. I don't know. No, just kidding. But <laughs> really, I would say around 2000 and like 2002, probably. And what's um, the story? How'd you guys meet? Did we meet through Nicole? I think, I think we so. did. I think we met through Nicole. And, you know, Paris was like, and I say this all the time to like anybody who would listen, it's just sort of like, she was always gorgeous. She was always sweet. She was always fun. She was always like over the top and like just walks into a room and 
everyone wants to look at her and talk to her. But at the end of the day, she's also this like incredibly normal, kind, like down to earth, supportive friend, you know? Um, and I, for me, I mean, not to sound like, you know, cheese your lean, but for me, that was the thing that always made me kind of gravitate to her because I was just like, yes, yeah, she's all these things that people love and know and think and all these things. Sure. But like, She's also this like sweet kind of sisterly nurturing animal loving girlfriend loving person, you know, so that was always my thing because I'm I'm by nature just a, a bit skeptical of people, you know, typically I don't, you know, I'm always nice to everybody, but I don't I don't trust people very easily. Um, so yeah, that was, but I remember very well, like just kind of getting to know her and then being sort of, you know, just so pleasantly surprised at how kind and normal she was. And Nikki, I think I had known through other friends. We had like mutual friends. Um, and, and the mo their mom, Kathy was just always a queen. She would just like always stop me wherever I, I would see her. And we would just talk like girlfriends. I was like, what a cool She's the coolest woman. She was so like forthcoming and just kind of said it. And I was like, hey, and she just had such like a, you know, such an air about her. So hence the girls, right? Thank you. We've always <laughs> loved you. You, you kind of. I know I miss her. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. Well, soon I'm double vaccinated now so I can like completely come out of, of life and get back into it. Me too. Bizarre. I'm so excited. It's weird, right? So weird. It's so weird because part of me got used to kind of like just not seeing people because you knew you couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, and now you're sort of like, wait, wait, I can wait. I can go meet her. Wait, that's so weird. I can actually go like hug her. It's it's, it's odd. I know. It's odd. Surreal. What, what has been like the silver lining for you in all of this? Honestly, probably that, like probably not having the pressure to go and do all the time, the social, because the work I've been working just as hard, probably even harder, mm -hmm. honestly, um, as, as I think you'd probably agree. But I think, so in that sense, this, one of the silver linings for work is that I've been able to like fully just laser focus because you can't have distractions, right? Mm -hmm. Pulling you away and traveling and all that kind of stuff. But I would say for me, just having young children and being a working mom and not having a nanny and like kind of always wanting to be like hands-on, I think always being the CEO of my company and 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 being a hands-on mom has been a real, it's a, it's a constant juggle and not in COVID, you added all the things that happen at night, which as you know, are a big part of the job, right? Yep. And so I think once we took that, and so then I would have constant guilt about like, how many times this week am I not tucking them in? How many nights a week am I not doing bath time or dinner or whatever? And then once that's off the table, there's this like weird, like calm about you where you just know, you know that every night for the next 365, I literally said to my kids, I've tucked you in and done dinner, bath and bed and haven't left your side for 365 <laughs> days, you know? And, and that was like a surreal, a surreal thing, but like incredibly awesome. You know, and and the thing was, you didn't have the guilt on either side, you know, and I think any working parent would probably tell you the same that has the component of nighttime to their life where you just constantly feel bad for leaving your kids, you know, and um, anyway, so I, I for me to not have that has definitely been 
a silver lining. You know, I think there is a, a nice middle ground where you want to like see your friends and be like, come over for dinner or like, let's do something mellow. But that's very different than like sitting in hair and makeup and going to an event and like doing the whole thing, which you know is work, mm -hmm. right? So not to sound ungrateful, of course, but you know what I mean? Totally. So definitely that would be the silver lining, family time and just not missing anything, you know? I feel you. I know I used to have so much FOMO because I wouldn't want to miss out on anything, but now totally. I've, I've learned that it's okay to be at home and chill. Yes. And it's just been so nice. I feel like Carter and I have just became so close and we wouldn't have had this time together, you know, no. if not, because you would have been on a plane literally so much, which by the way, I think is amazing because then you know that this works mm -hmm. like, meaning you've quarantined, you, you, yeah. you've done the hardest part together. Like Roger and I said, you know, at the beginning of this, like this is going to be the test for so many relationships mm -hmm. of there's going to be divorces and breakups and shakeups and there's going to be babies. Like there's going to be a huge baby boom. Like everyone I know had a baby this year. I know. Who could have a baby this year. <laughs> <laughs> definitely right? a make or break or baby situation. Yes. Well, yes. Spe speaking of the relationships, I feel like you guys were both at very different stages of your relationships <laughs> during the pandemic. So uh, Paris, uh, we've kind of talked about yours, but you've been together for 20 something years now, 20 years. You won't, you actually will not believe this because it might make you fall off your actual chair. Um, this August 29th, Roger and I are celebrating 30 years together what? from oh. our 30 years from our first date, 30 oh years God. from our first date. Uh, married for 23 or 24, 20, married 24 together from our, so I actually count our first date. So we're going to do a big, um, well, big pending COVID, but big thing to celebrate. Aww, 30. I can't believe that. Do you believe, I mean, it's, you guys it's have been mental. together since your babies. I, I, you know, people are like, where did you meet? I'm like, kindergarten. <laughs> where did you guys meet we met um we met not technically in college but but kind of i was going into my sophomore year and i was uh i got a job as a hostess at a restaurant on the water and i really wanted to meet people outside of school my parents were like what <laughs> you want to get a job i'm like i do because i want to meet people i'm sick of the same people. Mm -hmm. And um, Roger was a waiter at the same restaurant. And he was, he had also gone to George Washington University, but he was getting his MBA. He was in grad school. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was a waiter and I was a hostess. And, you know, we just kind of, we really liked each other. We were friends and we stayed friends for the summer. And then I went home to be with my family for a couple of weeks and I came back to start school. And we, we ran into each other's arms, like you see on commercials where oh. they like spin you around and you end up like hugging, like in a cornfield or something. <laughs> and we were like, huh, that's not really how you greet friends. Right. And, you know, and then that night, our group of friends wanted to meet up and have drinks and whatever. And literally nobody showed up and it was just us in the bar. And everyone was like, and, and the bartender was like, wow, you guys make a great couple. And we were like, we're not a couple. We're, we're just friends. We're not a couple. And nobody showed up. And we literally stayed up for 24 hours talking. And he dropped me off the next day and was like, you want to go out tonight? I was like, yep. 
Sure do. <laughs> and literally, that was it. We've been together pretty much every day since Aww, then. I love that. And that's it. That's honestly. such a good feeling when you go on a date with somebody and mm. then that you want to go out with them that night and then you want to go out with them the next night. So rare. And it's so nice that you found that. Well, it's funny because, you know, I had just gotten out of a serious relationship two days before I met him. And I looked at my roommate and I said, that's it. I'm going to find me. I'm going to be on my own. I'm going to be alone for at least a year. I don't want to date. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. I'm done and whatever. And I literally met him the next day. <laughs> so it's like when you're not looking for it, you can't script it. You can't time it. And I think, but, but I, but I did know, look, if I could have scripted it, would I have met him later in my life? Not so young. Sure. Of course. But life doesn't work like that. But I did know very clearly that I didn't want to lose him. So you know, I think just even in my 20s, I was just sort of like, you know, but the thing with Roger and I is that we're so kind of independent, codependent that like, he really let me live my life. You know, he wasn't that boyfriend that was like, don't go out I'm because he was an investment banker. So the two of us were just building our careers, working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. We had no life, but like my life was a lot more glamorous in terms of like I was flying to Europe. I was, you know, always in Miami. I was in LA. I was like doing photo shoots with supermodel guys and all his guy friends would be like, how are you letting her do this, dude? Like, da, da, da. And he was like, if they can get her, they can have her. Like you can't, you can't hold someone back that way because that's the, the quickest way for them to like resent you, you know? And he wanted me to like, he was always rooting for me. That's a thing. He was never trying to bring me down. He was never who's never jealous. That's just not in his nature. And so I think that was why we were able to kind of grow up together in our careers. Because I think if he had been that guy, I would have never made it past another year, you know, because I think that's the demise of many relationships is jealousy. And I think, you know, the one thing Raj and I always say, and we talk about it on our podcast is, you know, we always we're always rooting for each other. We're, we're playing for the same team. We're rooting for each other. And we genuinely want the other one to win. And mm -hmm. I think when you don't have that, that's, that's where problems, you know, come, come to fruition, in my opinion, you know, I but agree. I'm so jealous of where Paris is. You're like in the beginning though, but so <laughs> I love it. this is like the honeymoon. This is like the best. You just like stare at each other. Like, I love you. No, I love you more. I love you more. Do you I feel like it. you're pretty? <laughs> do, you, do you feel like the pandemic made it so you've just had this really long honeymoon or do you feel like the pandemic has just made it faster and now you guys are in like the relationship stability, you know, foundational part? I feel like every day is like a honeymoon with him. Like I've heard that like honeymoon stages last a few months, but it's been, we just had our 17th month anniversary and we just went to Napa and he just is so romantic and He's just like Roger. He's not jealous. He wants to lift me up. He's my best Ugh, friend. He would do else. anything for me. And I've never felt like this about someone where I can trust them completely. I know he would never hurt me. He wants to protect me. He's just like, like what you and Roger have. You're just like, you're so close that it's like, you're one. You're one. And I think that's a thing. And I, I think the big misconception about, about, marriage or just being together and being in a, in a healthy relationship is I think, you know, people always say like, oh, that's so hard or it's so much work. Relationships are work, you know? And, and I always say like, if it's right, it actually should be the easiest thing about your life. 
It should be your safe place. It should be the thing that isn't hard. It should be the thing that requires the least work. It should be your safe place to just be, just be you, 100% you. And I think, you know, I think Paris, probably in your past, a lot of these guys have just, you know, they thought you were one thing and like you had to be a different person with them. And, you know, I've seen you in so many relationships and I feel like, you're just at such peace now. Like, I feel like you're just so calm. There's like a, a real calm about you where you're just like, <laughs> you know, this is it. It's like easy, you yeah. know? And I, and you're finally being treated the way you should be treated, you yeah. know, like princess. Thank you. <laughs> like I know princess. it's such a good feeling. I feel like maybe everything was meant to happen. Maybe I was meant to date a bunch of really bad guys so that one day yes. I could get the good one. It's true. No, no, I'm telling you, it's true. Roger's the only good guy I ever dated, honestly. Um, I, I, I think I actually was attracted to him because I actually just saw how he was with friends, like girlfriends and just people in general. Mm -hmm. And I had this like immediate reaction for the first time that was, wasn't like, cause I was always attracted to assholes. I was attracted to that, like good looking, badass asshole like mm. and part of my French I just it was just what I was attracted to since I was honestly like 14 um and I just was like wow god like what does that even feel like where they're thinking about you they're they're like they they want to know what you want what you're thinking what you're like just are you okay like it was such an odd feeling that for the first time I wasn't like on my defense. I wasn't like feeling anxious. I just was like, I was more just like, wow. Okay. So this is what like good human <laughs> beings are, you know, it was yeah. sort of, but it really like you, I mean, it was this like weird epiphany that should, it should be so obvious, but yet it's not to so many of us. And I think that, I don't know. I think that if you're a good person, a lot of times you're, you're attracted to the opposite or you have, some kind of lower expectation of what you should be treated like because you're used to kind of not to sound like a martyr but you're used to like people pleasing and and constantly making others happy and you kind of forget like hey wait i i'm supposed to be treated like a like a, a human being also you know and i think that that's something that i i wish for all women um and men honestly because it does go both ways but i i I do find that women struggle with that a lot and don't understand what they actually should be treated like. And I even have friends in relationships that they're married, they have kids and they still are not respected and not treated kindly and not, you know, and it kills me. And I'm, I'm like looking at them, like, you know, that's not right. Right. And, and they, they're kind of confused, you know? So yeah, I, I am that. no relationship. I'm no relationship expert. I assure you, but maybe 30 years in, you get some kind of certificate. <laughs> do people ask you i mean they gotta your friends have to always be like hey what the fuck did you do to get this so right and how do yes. i do that yes in fact to be honest that's actually why we started works for us that's why we launched our podcast was exactly that it was sort of like okay i've always had a nickname of like mama zo since i was like a teenager i was always the mama and which is funny because i became a mother the latest out of everybody like i waited as long as you possibly physically can wait to be a mother now of course i wish i had four kids but um but the truth is 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 yes that's the thing i probably get asked 
at least once a day by somebody, whether I know them or not, but like, how on earth do you work together? And how do you last this long without killing each other or like at least wanting to? And, you know, listen, I'm very honest. Like I will, I love him every day. Do I like him every day? Sometimes I really don't like him and I'll like fully tell him that I don't like him right now. And I, you know, um, but I think that's just what happens, but he, I can't really, it's weird. We, we are in each other's heads. You know, we just are like, it's like, we think the same. It's like, if you had us in two different rooms and asked us all these things, we would a know how the other one would answer and B probably have a lot of the same answers, but no, we know exactly what we differ on. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like we agree to disagree a lot. Um, and uh, the secret honestly is what Paris just said. It's, um, 100 percent unbreakable trust okay so that's first and foremost because the secret to any relationship friendship or otherwise you know but certainly in marriage trust if i ever questioned for one second where he was going when he left my sight it would never last mm -hmm. and if he ever broke my trust i can tell you unequivocally i could never look at him again um and so that's something that we both feel for each other and we've never broken quite honestly. And um, so it's that, and I think it's like a codependent independent, like we really function together, but we also really have our own thing. Um, we have our own lives and we have our own things, but yet we always prefer to be together. That's the thing, you know? I don't really do girls trips. I don't like, if I'm going to Paris, I don't wanna go with my girlfriends. I wanna go with him. I love my girlfriends, but I can't imagine being in Paris and not being with him. That would be weird for me. Yeah. You know? Every time I've seen you over the past 20 years, you've always been together. You guys are like, always. <laughs> I know. We I'm are. the same way. I we don't are. like girls trips. I don't like do girls nights. I don't do any of that really. I'm always like, well, mm -hmm. I want to be with him. Like, let's just make it yes. a couple nights if we're going to be yes. with our friends. But then you know it's right. Yeah. That's the thing. You know it's right. And I think when you see, very often you see girlfriends that are pretty much never with the spouse. Yeah. And then very often that doesn't work. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't work because you can't live totally separate lives. It's very hard after a while, you know, but, you know, parenting together and quarantine was definitely harder for Roger than for me, because I know this is a bit shocking, but I'm a bit of an introvert. I know that my me job too. has always been being an extrovert, but like, I'm, very much an introvert in a weird way. And I think, I don't know. I mean, Roger, I think is really more of an extrovert. He really like needs outside stimulation and he needs to like do and be, and like, he really likes that. And I'm really okay. Like kids, family, my inner circle. I'm, I'm really, I'm really okay. Like if you said, do you want to go out for dinner? Or do you want to eat at home and order in? I'd always opt for order in and eat at home. Mm -hmm. Always, Same. always. <laughs> But yeah. by the way, but that's what I'm telling you. That's why I've always connected with you because I think, you know, we talked about this, I think one night in Paris on Clubhouse, I think with Nikki, it was sort of like, you know, we talked about, I think who you are as Paris and then who you really are. And I think both of them completely overlap, obviously, because you are who you are. But like, I think there's those little like Paris nuances that, that, that only people I think really close to you really know, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, your sister, of course, loves to call those things out because she's your sister, yeah. so she can. But like, <laughs> <laughs> so she can. But I think, um, 
but you know, I think that's what makes you you. And I, you know, I always use this example when my first book came out. I don't even know if Paris will remember this, but when my first book came out, I was like, you know, I didn't, social media really wasn't a thing then. So um, I think it was 2007. I think Twitter was out. Um, and basically, I, I will never forget someone called me and was like, there's paparazzi in, at Kitson because we had sold our book to Kitson. And um, Paris literally was like standing in the window with like a hundred of my books, just like <laughs> taking pictures, holding up my book. I didn't even know. I didn't ask her to do it. It was the sweetest thing ever. And I cried. I was literally, Roger was literally like, I love that girl so much. Like it was, it was like something like nobody asked her to do it. You know what I mean? And it was just such a kind thing to do. And it, and I never forgot it. It was just very like, I don't know. It was just, and I think those are the things that I always kind of want people to know about you because I think everyone knows how awesome you are, but I also think they need to know how like truly good you are and how big your heart is, you, you know? I remember that. Thanks. I remember I was so excited when I walked into Kitson, I saw my, my friend's book. I was like, okay, there's paparazzi. Why not promote my friend? Cause I think it's nice when people support each other and lift it each is, other but up. It, but it doesn't happen that much as you know. And yeah. I think as, as women, I think we, we see more often than not, there isn't always support. I could say there's more support now, but I could certainly tell you quite candidly that coming up in my career, I had zero support, mm -hmm. zero, like absolutely zero. So I just felt like I was this like solo fish swimming upstream and just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, but I think it's nice now that it's, it's kind of cool to support women now. And I think it's important that like certain people really always have, and you really always have with no agenda. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't paying you to do that. I wasn't posting anything. Like it wasn't, you know <laughs> what I mean? And I, I just thought that was so special. And I, I think it just continued to show that side of you and, and why people love you deservedly. So Thank you. Miss thing. Yes. Miss thing <laughs> getting married. Can I see the ring? Good Lord woman. <laughs> it is so oh. sick. Thank you. Hunter, how you are you? You need to put sunglasses on. <laughs> if you're here right now, you'll see that her left bicep is way bigger than her right <laughs> bicep. Now. I mean, uh, she's stacked on this side. Uh, I was just carrying that thing. Yes. <laughs> this is Paris. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. 
tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages, they starved us, they beat us, they burned us, and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Paris. But what did you mean when you said you had zero support, though? That's, I mean, surprising me because obviously you're, you found, I hope, all the success you've, you've ever wanted and then some. But to have zero support, that just seems so rough. It really, I just was not supported. I don't, I don't, you know, listen, I've had the sort of like mean girl thing since I was in kindergarten, you know, um, I just always did. I was always the nice girl and like, you know, guys were always super nice to me. Um, I always had a ton of guy friends. Um, I always had boyfriends. I had very few girlfriends. I had literally like two girlfriends and it probably wasn't until like my teen years. And it was just hard. Girls were just not nice to me. They were really mean to me. Um, 
I just got a lot of mean girlness. And I think for me, I just kind of withdrew from that and was like, okay, I'm not going to really try. I, I feared girls. Um, and, you know, and then when I got to call, I always had like, I had best friends, but like very few, you know what I mean? Like I had just like two that I felt like I could really lean on. But even then I'm a really low maintenance friend, meaning like my sister um, is my life. My sister is, um, she's three years older than me, but she's literally my best, best, best friend. She's my life. And I think that because of her, I was, I didn't feel that I needed to trust or lean on too many other people, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and so I was pretty guarded. And then when I graduated college, you know, I met Roger so young. And so between him and my sister, I just felt like, okay, this is my, you know, he's my safe person. My sister's my safe person. Um, I love my small group of girlfriends, like two or three, and those are my girls, but like, I didn't need a time. It's weird. I had a lot of friends, but I wouldn't say that I had a ton of best friends that I could lean on and be a thousand percent myself. And I could tell you, and you could probably ask anyone close to me now, I don't really ask anyone for anything. I don't really lean on people too much. Um, I don't know. I'd rather be the friend than lean than be the the leaner, if that makes sense. Like I like to listen, I like to help, I like to fix, but I'm not someone who like calls my friends like hysterically crying or like whatever. Like if that's gonna happen, I'll probably be my sister. I mean, I definitely have a handful of super close girlfriends that are hundred percent there if I need them, you know, like Jen Meyer and stuff like that. But the truth is I just don't that much, you know? I don't know why. I I, I don't know why. I, I just think, but yes, in my career, very hard, very hard. Like if anything, probably unsupported, not just not supported, but like unsupported. And mm. I don't, I don't know why. I think maybe timing, maybe uh, the industry was very different. I think it was much more catty um, yes. when I was coming up. I <laughs> think it was, I think I was a little bit, um, I don't know, fish out of water, newer. I don't think I was the typical fashion person. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I think I wanted to change the game a bit. I wanted to like do different things. And I don't know that they were accepted. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to, to come here and, you know, to LA and work with actors and, you know, just, I, I don't know. I, I think at the time LA was kind of looked down upon, certainly in a fashion uh, perspective, you know, it was considered to, have zero style or fashion. And I actually thought, you know, it had its own vibe and own culture and own cool and own everything. But I just really wanted to merge more the two worlds of like New York and Paris fashion and, and Milan with LA. And I didn't understand why there was such a disconnect between all of it. So I think my mission was kind of just to bring a little bit more of that to LA and to the red carpet and whatever. But like I said, I think a lot of it was pre-social media. I think a lot of it was um, wanting to sort of create something that maybe wasn't in such existence in a big way. Um, I don't know, people don't love change or people don't welcome new um, very easily. I mean, the stylists, when I got here, they were awful to me. 
<laughs> like I was like, hi, I'm did it, you know, and I'm very like, I'm very kind of, I don't know. I like everybody until they prove me wrong, you know, until they prove me otherwise. So I'm kind of just by nature, nice to people, but I don't, I don't know, for whatever reason, people just wanted to hate on me. And I just, at some point, you know, Roger would just be like, I can't understand why people give you such a hard time. And I was like, I don't either. And they just did. And then after a while, like after my, I think after my TV show, I think at that point, people were sort of like, you know, I was sort of like, this is who I am. Um, and if you don't like me, that's okay. But don't make things up about me or don't, you know what I mean? It, I don't know. It's like, I am who I am, you know? Um, but I was very much the opposite of, I think what people thought I was. And so, I don't know, I'm still exactly the same person as I was for my entire career, but for whatever reason, I just was not supported. So, you know, and Roger would definitely, if he was sitting here, he would tell you. He would be like, there was there was maybe two girls that supported me in my career coming up in fashion. Yeah, I think um, it was like that for yeah. so many girls. Like, it's amazing how it's changed so much because especially yep. the early 2000s, like that was, yep. it was so catty. Like the media always wanted yep. to pit people against each other. It was just a lot yep. of, it was just very high school. Like very, <laughs> very. And, and it's funny because in my company, you know, every once in a while, you'll get some cattiness, you know, girl cattiness in the office. And I lose my mind because I'm like, oh, I, I can't, I can't tolerate that. I can't, I can't see mean girl stuff. I'm very sensitive to it, you know? And I think that it's, it's cool now to support women and lift women up. And I think that when we can all do that, it's just so incredible. And we all become so much better and you're so mm -hmm. much happier and you're so much like, I don't know, just rooting for each other is so much easier. You know, yeah. it's much harder to kick people down than it is to lift them up, you know? But I think a lot of that is ego. And I think a lot of that is, you know, people just not wanting people to, to, to succeed over them, yeah. you know? And I think that's, that's really what it comes down to, unfortunately, you know? But yeah, I think, I think now it's not really tolerated the way it was, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think. It's yeah. a new world. <laughs> it definitely. I hope so. I like whatever strategy you did worked out pretty well because <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fashion guy. And before this interview ever started, I very well aware of you and your career, which Aww. does make me wonder what now that the pandemic's over, what is fashion? <laughs> what do people wear? God, it's it's so interesting. Um, that's a really good question. Um it's funny. I think it's going to go one of two ways and nowhere in the middle. <laughs> I think that people are either going to stay casual because they realize that they can and how much happier they truly are and how it does not impact their life one way or another to not be in like six inch stilettos all day. Um, you know, and so I think there are people that are so much more at peace with that and realize they can be. And then separate of that, I think there are people that are going to be so happy to dress up that they're going to start wearing ball gowns to like Whole Foods <laughs> because they just want to put makeup on and a gown and like heels and get dressed up. So, and I think, you know, it's funny because I think the same rules apply to like life. Like what's going to happen? Are people going to stay at home more? Are people going to go into an office more? Are people going to go to events more? And I think it's going to be split down the middle. I think half the people will stay home more because they know they can, and they know that that's fine. And they know they don't have to travel if they don't need to, if they don't have to. 
Um, and I think there's going to be people who literally party like it's 1999 again. Yeah, like I think it's going to be absolutely insane. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, there was something that came out in the first like two months of the pandemic, and it was so interesting. And it was basically like, I thought I was an extrovert and realized I'm an introvert. I thought I was an introvert, realized I'm an extrovert. I thought I was an introvert and, and realized I'm an introvert. <laughs> thought I was an extrovert and I realized I was an extrovert. And mine was definitely, I thought I was an introvert and realized I'm an introvert. You know, I, I, I think that for me, I will now go to only things that check certain boxes, meaning it's an important work event or dinner, you know, um, it's something that I do need to go to for work reasons, or it's a meaningful uh, event, a birthday, something important to a girlfriend, you know what I mean? Like something that really matters, but I'm not just going to like book, 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 book. And there's only, you know, X number of nights that I'm willing to leave the kids and, you know, and, but I also listen in all fairness, I need to like remind myself that like, it's important to go out and have a good time, you know, and it is. And like those times that like Raj and I actually like do that and we motivate to do that. We come home. Like I remember actually going to Paris's birthday pre pandemic and we came home and it was so late and we were just like, so glad we did that. Like <laughs> loved seeing her let like, but it was like, sometimes you get so caught up in work and like your work head and going out only for work and going, you know, that like, because I think in this industry, I, for my entire career, work and social have always overlapped, you know, they're, they're one in the same, honestly, for 90% of the time, because your friends are through fashion or the industry or whatever, and you're going to something for them or like, you know, whatever it is, you want to support everybody. So it all blends together. But like, it is important to just go out and have fun, just to have fun, like once in a while, like dance on a table, like drink a little too much, like it's okay, you know? And I think that once you're caught up in that, like work, mom, everything, it's just, you know, just a lot all the time, you know, and your brain hurts and you're tired and you just like, it's, it's hard to motivate, you know, but I think it's important to do that. I really do. And I, I, I'm guilty of that. Like I have to remind myself to do that. Roger has no issues going out and having fun. He's totally down. He's, he's totally down. Um, he, he could always be last man standing. Always. <laughs> way, way more fun than me. Oh, that birthday was so much fun. That was like right before the world shut down. Because it was like yes. the end of February and then March yep. shut down. But that was such a yep. sick night. It was so much fun. Yeah. I just remember seeing your mom, like just sitting. She's, <laughs> she's, she's the funniest person. I just, I love her. I just love giving her a hug. I just, she's such a character, mm -hmm. but she always like, just the thing I love about her. She just like looks you in the eye and just says it like whatever it is. And she'll be like, you know, that like, da, 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 and you just, you go, I do. I yes. do know that. And you walk away, like feeling different. You're like, <laughs> you, you just feel like whatever she said was true and she meant it. And you took away and you learned something. And on a separate note, without sounding like I'm your mom. I'm just what you've done this year is the most extraordinary thing ever, Miss Thing. Thank you. I'm so incredibly proud because I watched that documentary and obviously 
cried my eyes out. Um, anyway, not to bring it up, but I mean, the truth is like, you know, I didn't really know that that existed. And I think that you coming out and telling people that not only does it exist and not only did it happen to you, but it happens to so many still mm -hmm. and that you putting an end to it is like a game-changing, life-changing mission that you're on for so many young people and opening the eyes of parents who yeah. think they're doing something good for their child that clearly is not. So I think that, um, you know, it was shocking to me and shocking to, I mean, millions, I imagine, um, who saw this, but have now been on the journey with you to try and fix it. And, you know, I think one thing I've always said about anybody, you know, people, a lot of times when I post things um, about things that matter or things that aren't so easy and, you know, to talk about, or a lot of people on my social media will always be like, thank you. Thank you for using your voice or thank you for using a platform. And I'm like, don't thank me. I, I actually feel that when you have a platform and you have a following, it's actually a, a job to, yeah. um, to use that for purpose, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that you doing that has changed so many people's lives. So I just want to make sure that and not that everybody listening to your podcast doesn't know that, but I think it's important um, for anyone who doesn't know how amazing it is and how brave, by the way. Thank you. So, sorry, I get super emotional. No, I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. I feel like I've done a lot of things in my life that I'm proud of, but this by far is what I'm most proud of. Just yes. It's making such an impact and such a difference in so many yes. people's lives, you know, the f kids right now, the future of children, and even people in the past who went through the same thing finally feel validated for what they went through. And it's just been such a um, healing experience. Yeah. I mean, I imagine. Did, I mean, you, I, did this change your opinion of Paris? Did you know about this stuff? I never knew about this. Honestly, I, when I say never, I literally was, you know, it admittedly, I grew up, you know, I grew up in a, in a town similar to like Brentwood or Beverly Hills and in, on the East coast, um, New Jersey. And I, you know, I went to school, I had a great like school experience or whatever, but the truth is, um, when kids kind of got, to the to a different side their parents very often sent them away on trips like outward something called outward bound or like you know these sort of like outdoors kind of things or rehabs and things like that so I'm and I dated someone who was definitely went through a lot of rehab and things like that when I was very young and for many many years and so I've I feel like I've been through a lot um in that sense but certainly nothing like what Paris went through a and b I not only didn't know that those schools existed, but if you ever heard about them, it, you definitely knew that. I definitely had no idea that this could happen and how it happens and how often it happens and how prevalent it is still. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I really think, you know, I'd like to think that the parents really don't know yeah. and they think that they're doing something good to help their child, you know, you know, seemingly good because, you know, if your child is struggling and having problems, you, you go to any place to try and help them. Right. So I think that they're being sold something that isn't what is actually real and, and very detrimental clearly. So I think, um, I, the answer is no, I had no idea. I didn't ever hear of it growing up. And I, 
I was absolutely floored, like floored beyond floored, you know? And mm-hmm. I, and I think, listen, I think the fact that Paris experienced it firsthand, I think shows you how, how clueless people are that this exists. Right. Because I mean, you know, think about it, think about, think about how many parents have absolutely no idea that their child is going through this and their child is too scared to speak up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and the schools clearly are not <laughs> going to come forth. No, so. they manipulate the parents just as much as they do the children. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, I, like when I even was speaking about it, it's like hard to believe that this is actually real, but it is. And that's just the scary part about it. And, you know, a parent, when they're sending some, your kids somewhere with adults, who are telling them something, obviously they're going to believe these people who are supposed to heal their child, but of course, you know, these places are very sadistic. They are. And I also think, listen, I, I think in an, in another way, I think we are now raising our children differently than we were raised. And, and, you know, obviously like our parents were raised. I mean, I think our parents were raised as, you know, you do what the parent says, right? The parent is always right. The parent is always right. And I think now we raise our children. We really listen to our children now differently, you know? And I think that it's a bit more of a partnership between child and parent these days. And I think, listen, there's no right and wrong to that, that uh, equation, to be honest. Like there, there was a moment when we were first, when I had my first son and, you know, you listen to everything they want. And all of a sudden, Roger and I were like, one day we're sort of like, he's four. Like, why are we doing what we want doing XXX? And then like, he's always happy afterwards because I think we try and go so many different ways. We take away what we loved about how we were brought up and then try and do the opposite of things that we didn't love so much, right? And parenting is just something you wing as you go, honestly. You can read all the books in the world, which I didn't. I wing everything, but- I think people, people always ask me like, what's your parenting advice? I'm like, just wing it, follow your gut. There are no rules. There aren't, there really aren't. Um, And you just got to go with gut. But I do think now, hopefully based on what you've done, parents are going to really listen more to their children and believe them, you know, because kids are way smarter than we give them credit for, even at a very young age, they have instinct. They do. How old you know, are your boys now? Just seven and just 10, which oh I cannot God. believe. I know. So I've known I know. them since they're baby. They're so mm-hmm. beautiful, those eyes. Oh my God, thank you. Oh my God, they're going to be like so hot when they're older. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so in love with them. I, but some of my girlfriends are like, one of my friends texted me last night. She goes, it's weird that I find myself kind of flirting with Skylar when I talk to him. And I was like... <laughs> No, 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 I, I get it. I get it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, there's, there's definitely some, it's funny because I think, listen, I always wanted girls. I mean, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Like who, who wouldn't think that I would want girls. And every time I see someone, they're like, the fact that you don't have a girl is almost like someone playing a joke on you. Right. Like <laughs> it's, it's, um, but I do think that you get what you're supposed to, you know, I do. And I think I'm so not a boy mom that has like become some form of a boy mom. And I think that there's this kind of like love affair that happens with a mom and a son Mm -hmm. that is just like, 
you know, you always hear that like boys love their moms yeah. or like girls love that. I'm such a daddy's girl. Right. And mm -hmm. I just think it's that weird Freudian, like I was a psych major. So, I mean, I've never really seen anything as true as, you know, the, the kind of father, daughter, mother, son thing. And I think, listen, mothers and daughters, I'm so close with my mother, but I also like fight with her every day. Like I yell at her and hug her in the same minute. And that's just what we do. But I think my boys are my whole being, you know, my whole universe. I just, I just love them. You know, so nothing, cute. nothing even comes close. I can't wait for you to have kids. I know, me Madam. too. I cannot No pressure. Wait. No pressure. Would you rather have boy or girl? Both. I want to get a boy yeah. and girl at once. Twins. Oh, that's what I always said. Kids. It just didn't work out that way. <laughs> what did you say? Fun little life that would be to be a, a Hilton twin growing up with a very cool mom and a very cool dad. Mm -hmm. I think I'm that's like amazing. auditioning. I'm still in that audition phase. But it's funny because I look at Tessa and I'm like, she could literally be your other sister. Like, it's I the know. funniest thing. She, I was like, I just lost the role. I literally <laughs> said to her mom, I was like, that's not fair. She actually looks like Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and now she had a girl, right? Yeah. It's like girls, girls, and and more girls. Nikki has girls. Paris has to have a boy. You got to get that. I boy. know. We got to get you. There's a boy. all girls so far. So I think Paris is going to get exactly what she wants. She's been through too much bullshit to not be gifted a little bit of I good agree. karma right now. Yeah. When I'm I'm been doing totally my agree. IVF this whole during quarantine because obviously nothing's happening in the world. So. Yeah, that was the perfect time. Such a good time to do the it. The best time. But yeah, I mean, listen, keep getting those eggs. Have as many as you can. I wish I had four. <laughs> I wish I had five. I, I have friends that have five kids and I'm, you know, it's like chaos, but I'm sort of like, God, I have two. I thought I wanted one and now I wish I had four. <laughs> so just get as many out as you can. Yeah. <laughs> just keep having them. I am. Just keep having them. <laughs> it's the best. I could see, I could literally see Paris with like 10 dogs and like multiple kids and like everyone's in her closet everyone's eating like tacos <laughs> and like pizza i just i see it like yeah. everyone's just gonna be sitting in the nightclub room mm -hmm. with yeah. like with like just and they won't know that it was the nightclub room for a little no. while they'll be in here no. like the movie room that's always been the movie room we love it yes until until, until she until they see pictures like yeah. mama well <laughs> as you talk i feel like you should be Paris's sister, but maybe the best way to audition would be with uh, some sliving questions. Oh, yeah. This yes. would be the final test for you. Okay. Oh, God. Sliving questions. Oh, I, oh, I actually know. wanted to ask you one more thing about yeah. Sky. Yeah. I read about an Aspen that he fell. Like, wh what happened? Because I was like, how is that it possible? Was, it was the absolute most insane thing that ever happened. Um, well, okay. So, it to be honest, it was full negligence. I can say it here. I mean, I. I'm not hiding it. Um, mm -hmm. He was literally getting on the chairlift with Roger and um, Caius mm -hmm. and an instructor and Sky never, you know how on the chairlift you, when you're getting on and there's someone that's supposed to, especially with kids or older people, like someone standing there and yeah. watching or slowing it. None of those happened. And he basically never got on. He kind of like slipped because it was a little high. So his bum never really got on. So he slipped. And basically what happened was, um, instead of him stopping the chairlift, because Roger turned around and was like, stop the chair, you know, stop the lift, stop the lift, like screaming. 
And basically he didn't stop the lift. So Roger grabbed Skylar's arm and literally it kept going up, 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 up and wouldn't stop. And Roger's screaming and the bar wasn't down. So Roger's holding, Roger's holding the the bar with one arm and Skylar with his left arm, the instructor was on holding Caius on so he wouldn't fall and trying to hold Sky with another one. And then ultimately what happened was the, um, by holding him by his jacket and Skylar like dangling, basically the, the jacket started to like kind of suffocate him around <sighs> his neck. And Caius saw that it was suffocating him and screamed, daddy, let go. Caius, Skylar can't breathe, let go. Oh, no. And he, um, and then this wonderful, sweet man that's now in my life forever as a guardian angel was snowboarding and actually looked up and saw what was happening, grabbed a crash mat that was in the snow, half buried, that he saw, jumped off his board, grabbed the grabbed the mat, put it under where he thought Sky would fall. And they stopped the lift. And basically, Roger had to drop Sky, let go of his arm, oh watch God. him fall. And he fell like a champion onto the mat and literally like somehow fell beautifully and, you know, safely somehow. And the, the, uh, the ski patrol, basically then I show up, I wasn't skiing with them and I came running over and I show up and he's in a full body brace in an ambulance. Oh my God. And he's looking at me like, mommy, don't worry. Obviously lost my mind. And then we went to the ER and he just kept going in typical Skylar fashion goes, mommy, thank God this wasn't you. You would have broken so much worse. And at that point, I didn't know if he had like broken his back or anything because he was still in the brace. But the truth is by actual miracle and this wonderful man named Luis, um, he really is 100% by miracle fine. And he was able apprehensively getting on the chairlift, but like three days later, he wanted to ski again. So, you know, it was literally like angels watching him. I swear, because that was by far and away. Roger was, we were definitely messed up for it. it, Like I couldn't stop staring at him because I couldn't, you know, you you keep kind of waiting, like did something happen internally or whatever, but long story short is he is a bravest kid. He always has been the bravest kid and he just, I don't know. He said it was his Taekwondo that helped him fall. <laughs> oh God, that's like traumatizing. <laughs> it is. It was, it was by far the worst thing that's ever happened to us by far, but by miracle, he's great. And I think, you know, as, as his teacher said, like, you know, Sky, you have an amazing essay to write forever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he was really great. And, and um, but you know, kids teach us, right. Cause we were so messed up and he, he just kept looking at us like, I'm okay. I'm okay, mom. I'm okay. Like you can breathe. I'm okay. But you know, kids are really intuitive. They, you know, they know, they know when they look at you, they know what you're going through, mm-hmm. you know, if that makes sense, but it's a miracle. It is actual. Like. It is. It's, it's the first miracle I've, I had actually really lived and seen. How many you know? feet did he fall? Roger swore it was 40. Oh my God. Um, but they said it was 30. Um, but you know, if you see the video, because then some onlooker actually videoed the whole thing and like sent it to my team. And I, I still haven't watched it. Roger watches it repeatedly. Like the biggest difference in us, like I can't watch it, but he said it weirdly gave him peace because he saw him fall. And the way that he fell, you could really see that like 
he almost like rolled into it in a weird way. Like he kind of just knew what to do with his body somehow. So, so brave. I don't know. I know it's, it's crazy. And that man literally saved his life and the kindest man. Thank you, Louise. You know? Thank, Thank you, Louise. So we love much, you Louise. for life. We love you for life. We love you. For <laughs> Come life. on the podcast, Louise. Jeez, tell us your story. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> yes. Who's okay. the best? Oh my god. I okay. How do you feel about low waist coming back and our skinny oh, jeans really out? Listen, I will stare stand by this for life, okay? Um I have always worn since the day you met me a wide leg jean. Always. Yeah. Flare, bell bottom, wide leg. I've never worn a skinny unless it's to tuck into a thigh high boot. Um I will always stand by there are no rules with denim. Really, it's what's your denim? What's your language in denim? What is your because honestly, I know people that really a wide leg doesn't work on them and a skinny really does. And why shouldn't they wear that? Because some meme says you're not cool if you, <laughs> if you have a side part. Look, Paris has a side part. Who's cooler than her? So yeah. I don't buy, you know, I don't buy into those rules. So no, skinnies are not over. Low waist, okay. Here's the thing, Paris, when we met... <laughs> it was like butt crack time, right? Like yeah. that was like butt crack jeans, right? So I'm going to say, I think we can happily say, let's not ever bring that back, the mm. butt crack. <laughs> um, but I think a low waist, if you're feeling so confident to throw that out there to people, sure, show it. Why not? You have it, you feel confident, like that's your thing. Go for it. You know, I would say personally, that's for bathing suits on the beach, but like, you know, mm -hmm. I think, um, but I think, I think on the hip denim, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I think that's, I think that's good. Are you bringing it back? That, that, that gives me like, that gives me seventies <laughs> vibe, like a good, like low slung denim with like a cute little top off the shoulder. Why not? Like let's go to a music festival like that. Why not? I think it's also yeah. different for Paris. Cause I don't know. A lot of people at home she, don't no, know this. No rules apply to her. No rules apply. <laughs> and also the low waist thing, Paris's legs are each 95% of her body. So low waist jeans make it look like she's just got normal length legs. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. And that's why I, I have always stood firmly in, you cannot have these definite fashion rules because everyone's body's different. Everyone's style is different. Everyone's form of expression is different, which I really think is through style, you know? Um, and I really, you tell so much about somebody by their style. You know, I always say it's best form of expression without having to speak, you know? Um, I just think style is, you know, if you don't feel like talking and you walk into a room, you, you know who somebody is. So true. At least I do. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They do. You do. You know what kind of by by how they wear their jewelry. You know about how they how they're wearing their hair. You know. You know who they are. Um, and I just think, I just think it's not right to tell people you can't wear something because it's no longer a thing and no longer cool. Because I've been around long enough that I can I can tell you confidently that in a year. People are going to say, don't wear wide legs and don't wear flares and don't wear bell bottoms and don't wear a middle part. And guess who's still going to be wearing both of those? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, get, oh, sorry. It's okay. It's totally okay. 
We're allowed. In fact, you've now. I know my my son walked in. Sorry, I just I'm gonna get fined for that. You've just been accepted <laughs> into the Paris's family with that one f bomb. That was all we were waiting for before you were an official sister. Oh, trust me, I cuss. I can cuss like nobody's business. It's just my kids will be like, "Mom," you know, we get in trouble around here. <laughs> Roger is like the worst. Yeah. This is Paris. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo! 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Seven Slitting Questions. Okay. What is your spirit animal and why? I would say a tiger, probably a white one, (laughs) Um, because there's um, something, I guess, unique about them and unexpected, but also kind of fast and courageous at the same time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but I also think they can be very kind, um, too. And I think, yeah, Um, and we have the same color eyes, so that was always kind of the... People always told me that when I was in high school. That was sort of my one of one of my nicknames you get in high school, like tiger eyes. So that's cute. Um, I think that, but then on the flip side, really a koala, because that's my favorite. Because they hug and they love and both my boys. Um, I called them my koalas because they they koaled me when I held them and they would only do it to me the way they like wrap their bodies around me. And Roger kept trying and they wouldn't, and he would get all flustered. <laughs> so yeah. That's cute. That's Mommy what Carter does. calls me, his koala. Oh, mm-hmm. see? Yep. It's the best animal. It is. Best animal. Cuddly. So what are your top three bucket list items? Ooh. Um, let's see. I would like to live on a bluff in Malibu, like as my like kind of end game you know, living in LA, I'd like Sick. to just kind of live looking at the ocean, not necessarily being on it because I don't go in it. So I'd like to look at it mm-hmm. from afar. Um, I would like to um, ultimately be sitting in the south of France, making jewelry on a beach mm. with my like grown kids and their kids, you know, as my like end of life chapter. Um and I, God, I want to like see my kids just like win and be happy and like marry just incredible women that I love. And then, and then I'm good. I did it. Or did you mean travel? Does it have to be travel? Anything. No, those are great. Anything on your bucket list. But I love I'd like those. to go to the Maldives too, except it's very far. It's beautiful. You picked two I different know. end games. So you might have to figure that out. You picked, uh, you know, well, where, I, where I, do you want I'd to like to live in Malibu on the bluff, but I'd also like to spend my like summers in Saint-Tropez with my kids and their kids and mm. just be making jewelry out of beautiful like stones and rocks and gold and things like that on the beach as just for fun. Yes. Great. I like it. What is the worst date that you've ever been on and why? Well, is it bad that I haven't been on a date in 30 years? Um, it's, it's a great thing that you haven't good. been on a date <laughs> in 30 years. I've been on dates just with the same guy. Yeah. Um, we, we still date. Um, worst 
date. Oh my God. <sighs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was definitely a date where um, I was dating this guy in high school and his family was very, very, very formal. Um, they didn't live in my town. Um, but I, I went there and I, I stayed the night at his house, not in a slutty way, but <laughs> I stayed in his house. <laughs> um, but, um, and I remember waking up in the morning and he was like, oh, come in for breakfast. And I went in for breakfast and I literally think I was like wearing his t-shirt. And um, I walked in and literally there was like 20 family members at like oh a God. gold table and like the most formal, like right out of Bridgerton, like literally the most formal, like, and I literally had like black eyeliner down. To, <laughs> it was you guys, honestly, it was probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. And he was oh. like, you're fine. And I was like, <laughs> what part of this seems like they're looking at like I didn't even know anyone was going to be in like I thought we were literally going in to have like coffee you know what I mean it was like it was one of the more humiliating moments of my entire life never um, trust a young ooh. man with what is appropriate and what's not appropriate when it comes to agreed. like family stuff agreed. they have no idea agreed agreed I agree with that you know I mean listen it was a little like when Meghan Markle on Oprah was a little bit like you know, she didn't know she had to like curtsy or bow or whatever. And I feel like that would totally be me, honestly. Like, I feel like I just wouldn't have, cause I just kind of wing things. I don't like to prep myself for things, you know? Cause I feel like I'm just gonna mess it up. And um, anyway, yeah, that would be me. I would be the one that didn't know how to like curtsy or bow to the queen. That would definitely be me. <laughs> I'd like try, I'd like trip and like fall on my face or something, <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, that was humiliating. And, you know, dating for me was not my favorite. I, I had a lot of boyfriends, but I didn't love that, like, first date. It was really awkward, you know, because yes. then I felt bad if I didn't like him. And I wasn't good at breaking up with people. And I always felt bad and just was, that was hard. <laughs> but, in, in, but full disclosure, you guys, I didn't think I'd ever get married because I didn't think I could last with someone that long. I thought I'd be sick of them. You know, so I thought I would like get married when I was like a hundred. I, I just didn't even know that I would ever get married. I wasn't sure. It worked out well. It worked yes. out, but that just shows you, you can't script your life. It just, it doesn't, you just can't script your life. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. I agree. What is the craziest rumor that you've ever heard about yourself? <laughs> you were around for that one, babe. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you were around for that one. Um, uh, the craziest rumor I ever heard about myself, there were many. Um, one, that I was doing drugs, I think cocaine in particular. Two, that I was dealing them or that I was giving my clients horse pills, which I still to this day don't know what a horse pill is. Like a tranquilizer? I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I swear I don't know. Um, but that was a very real rumor that I did drugs and that I dealt drugs or I gave my clients drugs. And the funniest thing about that was that like my clients, like I, I'll never forget. It was like Cameron Diaz, Selma Hayek and all these amazing women. And they were like, 
all you do is shove food in our face when you come into our stu the studio. Like I have donuts and this and that. Like it was it was just the most ironic thing. And I've also like never done a drug in my life. So uh, you know, Roger used to kind of laugh, and I would be like, I know you think this is funny, but people think this is true. And he's like, but you literally are the most prudent. Like you know, anything. <laughs> I'm like, I know, but like it's just so it was. I don't know. Just life was very ironic. But I think ultimately people do believe what they hear and people do believe what they read a lot of the time. I mean, Paris is certainly here to tell you about that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So I think that is definitely one or two of them because it was so in it was so insane, you know? I remember um, that. But I knew it was a lie. Like as soon as I read it, I was like, this is obviously started by some other stylist who's jealous that she's styling every girl in Hollywood and they're like <laughs> trying to take you down. Mm. it was it was crazy and I just you know part of you wants to like crawl up in a ball and disappear and then part of you wants to say well I know this isn't true and anyone who cares about me and who actually knows me knows this isn't true so it's okay but you know in the, in the height of like tabloid culture you know people believed everything they read so it was it was an awful it was definitely an awful moment mm -hmm. you know yep but I'm here to say I've never done either yes <laughs> 20 years later here I am definitely never did either oh, god so tabloids are so annoying sometimes they always Crazy. love to make things up yep but we know the truth we All know right. the truth your first celebrity crush oh first celebrity crush I had so many um my probably my biggest, biggest, longest lasting started when I was 13 was Johnny Depp. Literally, mm -hmm. he was in 21 Jump Street. And I was just dead. Everything in my <laughs> world centered around him. It was like, if you knew me, you knew how much I loved him. Like, I just, yes, Johnny Depp all the way. Um, yeah, no one could compare. Not even close until Robert Pattinson came along in Twilight. Is he your current? <laughs> <laughs> and now, by the way, reggae, reggae Jean, who Jean, Jean, reggae Jean from Bridgerton is like next level, but he's not even coming back, which is just a travesty in and of itself. <laughs> but yeah, I never had a crush on anyone like Johnny Depp until, um, Robert Pattinson and Twilight. I think it was a hormonal thing. Like I got pregnant with Skylar and became obsessed with Twilight. Yes. And I became literally <sighs> like, it was like, I, it was like, I reverted to like my teenage self and just watched Twilight. Literally when I tell you guys every single night, I would watch the trilogy. It was like, it was crazy. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, people like to the point where I would like go into my office and they would have like blow up dolls of Robert Pattinson in my office. <laughs> was your husband jealous of all this? No. No, he loves it. He thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Like <laughs> oh he gosh. literally thinks it's the funniest thing. But like, I remember one night we were at, and you know, the funniest thing about it is like celebrities to me are like, you know, it's like they're friends with them. They're my client. You know, it's like, it's not, I'm not like a celebrity person. Like I just, you know, celebrities are people. I'm not like, oh my God, oh my God. And for whatever reason, I got like a tween crush on him. And like, there was literally like our Pat's figurines and our Pat, I mean, I had like mugs in my office and, you know, it just was this thing. I was obsessed with Edward and Bella. I don't, I, you know, it's like a thing. And 
I don't know, Twilight just for life. I mean, I just love it. I just, yes. I don't understand, <laughs> you know? And what's funny is my, my little son asked me the other night, like, mommy, would you rather be a vampire or a wolf? And I was like, a vampire. And he was like, why? And I went into a complete monologue as to why I wanted to be a vampire. And I was like, you can live forever. You're totally ageless. You can change me. I'm like, did it like, and I went into this whole thing and he was like, You've thought about this. a lot about this too long, mom. Okay, yeah, no, no. Like, seriously, mom, are you okay? Um, so yeah, I still kind of want to be a vampire. I think they have a really good life. Great answer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What's your best live music experience ever? Ooh. I have so many, honestly. Um, I would say the Stones concert at the garden. U2 concert um, was my first like concert as like a, like a teen um, was like the, I think it was, it, it was Unforgettable Fire Sunday, Bloody Sunday. I can't remember. Um, but just the, when like the, the absolute best and um, I'm a diehard classic rock girl. I will never change. And um, I also uh, Fleetwood Mac their reunion concert, their first reunion concert, like I'm going to say like 20 years ago, honestly, here in LA at, um, I want to say it was at the forum of small and it was everything. She, Stevie Nicks is just goddess. She's, she's just, I mean, you know, um, but I, I saw the good ones. I mean, I went to about 35 Grateful Dead shows with Roger. He's been to about it. 110 probably um i did not wear tie-dyes and birkenstocks i'm here to say (laughs) i did not um so yeah i'm i'm a i'm i'm that girl (laughs) yeah definitely that girl i'm that girl hunter you got guns over there good no um no they it's just the shirt's tight so it looks like it but i appreciate it thank you so Um, much it's good you have cute socks on you're you're doing your part over there i stole this outfit from uh, the other show that I shoot. Anytime I go to Paris's after I shoot for E, I go, <laughs> you guys aren't going to keep, th- I'm going to keep this outfit for the rest of the day. I'm the same color. I know, we kind of match. It's yeah. very cute. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's have to take a I photo I feel like the only this. thing missing from that couch, Paris, is Cade. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Cade. Cade, we miss you. He's so much him. fun. We love you, Cade. He's okay. the best. Love you, Cade. What is your top beauty secret? Ooh. Honestly, um, I don't sleep. Um, so it's definitely not sleep. Um, I would say, um, face oils, Mm -hmm. um, and serums and, you know, I use Barbara Sturm religiously, um, all of them, everything she tells me to use, I use, I love her, her things. Um, uh, yeah, I would say, I would say face serums and oils. I would say you beauty i'm completely obsessed with most recently me too um obsessed with that resurfacing sarah i mean it's good insane and um shout out to tina shout out to tina we love you and you beauty uh nurse jamie uh some great like processes Mm. topically on my face and if you don't know Ivan from the beauty sandwich, Ivan Pohl, he's the face magician, topically face magician, just skin, skin, all about skin. What is it called? Um, Ivan Pohl. He is, um, 
it's his Instagram, I believe is uh, the beauty sandwich at beauty sandwich. And he, he has done more magic on my face. Um, just topically, just with like things, magic things that he does. I don't even, I honestly don't know what they are. It's like magic, but it's like a, it just lifts your entire face Sick. in the most natural I feel like way. I met him with you at one of your events, maybe at the peninsula oh, by the pool. Oh my God, you did. Yes. Yes. Thanks for did. reminding me because I never went in there. I want to go in. I love uh, facials. I will connect you. Yes. I will connect you. He's magic. He'll come to you too. Sick. He's incredible. Um, if I could have him every day, I'd probably look 10 years younger. Um, but yeah, I would say I can't survive without face serums and face oils. I, I apply them even throughout the day. Like I keep them nearby all the time. I think hydration and skin is probably the number one most important thing. And I think living in LA, it's, you know, it's like, we're sort of reptilian here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. so dry. So yeah. Yes. But. I'm glad I asked you that. Cause I, was so like fascinated when he was talking about his facials and now you just reminded me i've never i've never experienced anything like it honestly that makes such a profound difference an impactful difference without like injections or anything like that it's just all topical um, outside so yeah now that you've heard the answers to these living questions paris is has she made it is she in the hilton family (laughs) yes honorary hilton sister are you willing to change your last name for this role legally yes (laughs) yes rachel zoe hilton i think it has like a really nice like like thing like i think it has a really nice kind of ring to it kathy and i already love each other so you know i don't know your brother and his wife very well so that's going to be a little new for me but i you know i think i think me and nikki I i think we're good like i think this is good I love it. I think I think it'll be a very organic transition for me. <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel Zoe Hilton, for appearing on the show. It's so we're gonna have to change the name of the episode. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, uh, this was so much fun, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. And then tell everyone where they can listen to your new podcast, Works for Us, with Roger Byrne okay. and your hubby. Um, it's really fun. It's called works for us. And, uh, it's with iHeart, Apple podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find it. And it's really fun. Um, we have so much fun doing it. And, um, also our new curator summer edition launches on May 5th. So check it out. It's a good one. Ooh, I love those. Yes. We'll have to do it. It was nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. This was so much fun. So much fun. Love you so much. Bye. Thank you, Rachel. That was so much fun. So good seeing you again. Yeah. Have a, have a beautiful day. We'll let uh, Paris get back to her Kindle. (laughs) Love you. Thanks for listening to this is Paris. We love hearing from you. So leave us a review. Send an email to Paris at iHeartRadio.com. Leave a voicemail at 833-87-PARIS and follow us at this is Paris podcast. Follow Paris at Paris Hilton and follow Hunter March, host of E's Nightly Pop at Hunter March. 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.